Hi, this is Timothy Zahn, author of Thrawn, and you're listening to Execute Chapter 66. Hello, and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight, we are finishing off the last of the Thrawn books that we had not previously read with Outbound Flight by Timothy Zahn. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you first, Chad. This is your bi-weekly reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We're going to spoil this very old book. Over the course of our conversation, we may spoil anything else Star Wars. That has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, what you got for me? Well... Being in a news cycle with the release of a major show, you know, usually we don't get a lot of stuff because everything's so focused on Ahsoka coming out. So there really hasn't been a lot. Um, Like always, we will save all our Ahsoka talk until we'll do an episode after it's all completed and give you all our thoughts on it. Um, But just overall, I think everybody agrees. It's pretty good. Don't know if it makes a bit of sense if you hadn't seen Rebels, but I have no idea if it makes any sense to anybody <laughs> else. I'm 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 looking forward to hearing from some of my friends that haven't seen Rebels. Cause it's just it's just season five. Six? I think my favorite joke so far five. is like, can you imagine just watching this and all of a sudden they just casually throw out, Oh yeah, she's a force witch. Like <laughs> your average person's like, wait, what? There's witches in Star Wars? Oh yeah, don't worry about it. It's cool. Like, um, I oh, do think fun. though it's interesting with Ahsoka. They have changed their release schedule, um, yep. and they are going to release on Tuesdays during prime time. Um, which I has any other streaming show done this with streaming only? Like most putting you know, it out like kind of prime time. Yeah, like they're marketing it like an event TV, which has been like always a discussion with streaming, right? Like it's kind of taken away that event shared experience of all these people watching it once. And it looks like with Ahsoka, they're kind of trying it to see. No, it wasn't trying it. Not Disney, but uh, last of us did that. Yeah, but that's because it was still airing on HBO. Yeah. Last of us. Last of us would air. Oh, okay. Well, I just had, I just have max. So yeah, Last of Us would air air on HBO at a certain uh, point, okay. and just and a lot, like most of Game of Thrones that. did or something. Mm-hmm. But with the straight streaming places like Disney Plus or Hulu or Netflix that are yeah. just just streaming services. Yeah, AMC has done that forever. Like when Interview with the Vampire comes on, the minute it starts on AMC, it starts on AMC, whatever their app is. And if you have plus, you can see it a week before. So even then, it's not consistent. And yeah, they, they were marketing it as watch Ahsoka at 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, I mean, it's kind of a cool idea to get everybody like you'll get bigger buzz, I think, on social media and all the stuff if everybody's watching it once. They're definitely promoting the hell out of it. Well, it really messed me up, though, because I was not expecting it. I was like, wait, wait, it comes out tonight. It's not Wednesday. Mm hmm. Um, 
other stuff tying in, you know, shockingly, no one. We got our leak of the rest of the Ahsoka wave that Hasbro's going to put out for Black Series. They had already shown Sabine and Hera. And there was one more I think they'd already shown. Oh, and Ahsoka, where it was just a re-release. Um, but the rest of the wave is going to be an HK droid, uh, Morgan Elspeth, and an Ezra that looks a little old. I, I And we'll talk about this more, but where, where are the HK droids been? They're just all of a sudden all over the place. Like, here's the toy, they're running around on Kenobi... Now they're all over the place in Ahsoka. I mean, it's kind of cool, but that's one of those weird ones where it's like, oh yeah, it's just these assassin droids that have just. They used to be rare things. Mm Mm-hmm. And we have tons of them. You just didn't know it. In video game news, uh, they have announced they are going to remaster and re-release Dark Forces, a game that I'd honestly forgot existed until I saw. Dark Forces is awesome, man. Oh, yeah, Dark Forces. I used to love that game. Wait, which one is that one? It's the first uh, first, first person shooter for Star Wars. Oh, yeah. It introduced, it's 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 the predecessor to Jedi Knight and Jedi Academy. Okay. I do um, remember that. It introduced us to the origin of the Dark Troopers. It introduces Mm -hmm. us to Kyle Katarn. Yeah, I had totally forgotten about it. We're going to re-release on the Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation, and PC. Um, and kind of comic book news, kind of cool there, have announced they're going to start doing Visions one-shots. Um, they had previously done a Visions comic, but it was just Ronin. Um, yeah. This is going to look more like the show where it's going to be one shots from different creators telling just independent, like completely new stories. Um, the first one is going to be done by Peach Momoko, um, who did the Star Wars Darth Vader black and white and red. She was one of the contributors for that, which was really good. So I think it's a really cool idea. Like, if they can take that kind of visions idea of different kinds of artists and different kinds of styles from all over the world and do comics like that, like it's definitely something I want to read. And then in our final little bit of news, you can come see execute chapter 66 live at dragon con. We will be on panels for the star Wars track doing a panel on canon along with Alex from over at Star Wars Explained and a few other people. Um, the canon panel will be Friday at 10.30 a.m. in Marriott A706. And then we will also be doing... 10 a.m. 10 a.m. 10.30 a.m. Did I say p.m.? No, you said 10.30. 10, it's 10 You said 10.30. 10 it's 10. Oh, 10.30. Oh, it's 10? Oops, yeah, it's 10. Yeah. Good thing correcting me. I might have shown up 10.30. Um... And then we'll also be doing a panel on the High Republic Sunday at 10 o'clock in A706 also. Also with Alex. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know where that is, it's right behind, it's in the Marriott right behind where all the droids gather, so you should yeah. be hanging out there anyway. Yeah, look for all the across, droids. Across from the puppy tree track. Yeah, look look for all the droids. And you can go see Beth and other things. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. Like the, the big game show. That's all I know. I don't know what else you're 
I am also doing a um, panel on Friday at 7 p.m. with the American Sci-Fi Classics track where uh, we decide the best video game weapons of all time. And then on Sunday at 7 p.m., also for the American Sci-Fi Classics track, I will be with some friends of mine reading a Choose Your Own Adventure book where the audience chooses the adventure. Are you doing that again? Yes, I am. Excellent. So, yeah, lots to look forward to. I Lots of big authors this year. What are y'all looking for? Who are you looking forward to seeing the most? Well, it was going to be Nathan Fillion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah From our knows. authors, we've got here Delia Dawson. Now Tom. it's Delia Dawson. Um, we'll talk about that next yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward, I think, to her the most now. Yeah, I, I requested her for an interview. We'll see if I get it or not. But uh, I, I've requested Delilah Dawson, Claudia Gray, Timothy Zahn, Michael Stackpole. I mean, covering all my bases here, hoping I get one. Yeah, I've been pulling out my books to get signed. I like to get one book signed per author, even though I have many. And that way I have more to do next time. I'm, I'm hoping I get to apologize to Timothy Zahn in person for disagreeing that there were two different thrones. <laughs> I was wrong. I was After, wrong, Timothy. I'm sorry. We saw Outbound Flight and Survivor's Quest are both gotten Masterpiece. What did they call mm-hmm. them? Essential Legends. Essential treatments. Legends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw a picture. He was posing with both covers at a con. I'll tell you, our timing on that outbound flight episode was is something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all our news. What's going on in the comic books? You like droids? Boy, we got droids. Um, Star Wars number thirty-seven. Dark droids tie in. Um, this one's got a lot about Lando and Lobot. And if you've been following Charles Sewell's Star Wars work, you know, that's kind of a point of interest for him. That's kind of where he got started was that Lando miniseries. That was a lot about his relationship with Lobot. Um, as the entity continues to take control over more and more droids throughout the galaxy. Darth Vader, number 37, also a dark droids tie in Vader and his army of evil droids are on the march while the entity manages to enslave the entire droid staff of the executor and shut it down. It ends with a cliffhanger that the ship itself might be destroyed, but we know that it won't, so whatever. Also, Vader deals with memories of Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn while wrestling with his out-of-control force powers. Dr. Aphra 35, Dark Droids Tie-In, if you're seeing a pattern here. Uh, It goes into the backstory of Domina Tog for a little bit, and then she hires Aphra to investigate a battle droid, and who cares, because Aphra ends up in bed with Domina Tog, and I don't know how to process that. In fact, Aphra is quite a little womanizer in this one uh, on the rebound from her breakup with Senna, I suppose. Anyway, they run into an army of dark droids and we leave on a cliffhanger. These damn purple eyed robots are everywhere. And then Return of the Jedi, Max Rebo, the final installment of the Return of the Jedi uh, anthology. We follow the story of Max and his band as they plot to get away from Jabba before it's too late. How did Max survive the destruction of the Katana sail barge? Read and find out. A lot of dark, a lot of dark droids. Everything, everything's a dark droid. <laughs> everything's a dark droid. So it's, it's the, it's, you know, it's, it's turning into Marvel. 
is turning into Marvel. All right. Well, in lieu of a mini topic tonight, we're going to save a topic for an end discussion. So let's get right into this big, big book. Five years after the Battle of Naboo, a smuggler's freighter, the Bargain Hunter, and its crew, Captain Dubrak Kento, Maris Ferrasi, and very young George Cardas are on the run from Praga the Hut, and to escape, Cardas punches in random hyperspace coordinates that send the ship into the unknown regions. Praga's ship manages to follow them through hyperspace, believing that they've made an intentional jump to a secret cache of treasures. Before anything else can happen, the hunter is captured by a flotilla of unknown ships. Praga's ship is completely destroyed when he tries to fight back, but the others are taken captive. Aboard the flagship, the smugglers are introduced to Captain to Commander Mithron Nerodu of, and I'm sure I don't say that correctly. Hopefully, Tim. I've uh, been following this character for how long? I still don't know how to really pronounce it correctly. Maybe someday Timothy Zahn can correct me on that. Oh, I mean, I've heard it a million times in audiobooks and stuff, but I just can't. I just yeah. can't say it. Can't wrap my mouth around that. No. Just just like his brother is always Mithrasophas. Sassafras? I I don't know. (laughs) Anyway. Commander Thrawn of the Chiss Ascendancy Fleet, who generously offers to repair their ship and send them on their way, provided they can bear with him and be his guests during the flotilla's patrol cruise deeper into the region. The story then shifts to Coruscant, where Jedi Master Joris Sabaoth and his Padawan Lorana Jinsler interrupt a meeting between Supreme Chancellor Palpatine and his aide, Kinman Doriana. Yet again, Sabaoth demands more funding for his proposed outbound flight project, insisting that its importance outweighs any of the other petty problems, like war, that the Republic is facing. Doriana suggests a compromise. If Sabaoth can resolve the mining strike on the planet Barlock, it will free up enough funds to finish the project. After Sabaoth and Lorana leave, Sheev orders his aide to keep an eye on Sabaoth to make sure his well-known arrogance doesn't cause him to do something foolish, which he will do. On returning to his apartment to pack, Doriana makes a call to his real master, Darth Sidious. Oh, poor Doriana, thinking he's working for two people. Who has also ordered him to leave to go to Barlock to keep an eye on things, conveniently. After Sabaoth demands and receives permission from the Jedi Council to travel to Barlock. Mace Windu orders Obi-Wan Kenobi and his Padawan Anakin Skywalker to Barlock for the same reason. Everybody go keep an eye on Sabaya. Back in the Unknown Regions, Commander Thrawn is taking the opportunity to learn more from his guests, teaching them his language and vice versa. When he says that the Chiss have a low view of smugglers. Mara suggests that they objects that they are actually privateers, mercenaries employed to steal supplies and food for oppressed and oppressed people. A somewhat fanciful lie that Kento sold to Maris a long time ago. In an unexpected skirmish with one of the Chiss's most deadly enemies, the Vagari, Thrawn is badly wounded, though the battle goes in their favor. The flotilla limps home and the three smugglers are introduced to Thrawn's brother, Thras, A political official of some importance, 
and fan favorite Admiral Arlani of the Chiss Expansionary Defense Force. On Barlock, Sabaoth and Lorana meet up with Obi-Wan and Anakin, and Sabaoth ditches his Padawan with Obi-Wan to go to his negotiations to resolve the mining dispute. In his absence, the other three Jedi, through a series of chance encounters, discover a plot to sabotage the negotiations by by some disgruntled workers egged on by a disguised Doriana. When the negotiations start, the saboteurs launch a missile that only Sabaoth is powerful enough in the Force to stop. Seeing his power, the council members are scared enough to quickly resolve the conflict. Between the sudden cash flow caused by the mining resolution, his new prestige as a Jedi hero, and the fact that everybody just doesn't want to deal with him anymore, Sabaoth receives the necessary funds to finish outbound flight and begins organizing a group of Jedi Masters, Knights, and civilian colonists to travel to the unknown regions. Before leaving, Sabaoth asks for and receives permission to promote his Jedi Knight and have her accompany him as his equal rather than a Padawan. When the vessel is finally launched into space for its long journey toward the outside of the galaxy, Doriana checks the crew and passenger manifest and informs Darth Sidious that Anakin and Obi-Wan have joined under the guise of searching for for Verger, but really still keeping an eye on Sabaoth. Sheev then orders Doriana to get him off the vessel, but reconsiders and says that he will go do it himself while Doriana continues to his main mission, which is meeting up with the Trade Federation and commanding a battle fleet powerful enough to destroy outbound flight. Aboard outbound flight, Sabaoth appears to be taking the opportunity to transform his ship into his own personal vision of what he believes the Jedi and by extension, the entire galaxy should be. His decisions encompass every aspect of the passengers' lives, right down to the decor of the common rooms. Additionally, he orders that the colonists' children be sorted for force sensitives who should immediately be separated from their parents and brought to training. Midway through the voyage, Sheev meets up with the vessel, saying he has an urgent diplomatic errand for Obi-Wan and Anakin. They depart with the Chancellor, as well as from the rest of the book. Meanwhile, the Chiss fleet, under the command of the recovered Thrawn, stumbles upon the Trade Federation battle fleet. Though massively outgunned, Thrawn as always remains calm and tells the fleet they are trespassing into Chiss space. The Nemoidian commander arrogantly orders his forces to wipe out the tiny Chiss fleet, but with some tactical advice from Eli Vanto, I mean Cardus, coupled with his own innate tactical genius, Thrawn devastates the Trade Federation fleet completely, leaving the Nemoidians no choice but to surrender. Seeing an opportunity where the Nemoidians do not, Doriana pleads with Thrawn to let them carry out their mission, going so far as to initiate a direct conversation between Lord Sidious and Thrawn. Sidious explains that outbound flight and the Jedi are a grave threat to the Republic, specifically because outbound fl- outbound flight's path will take them directly into the projected home of an immensely powerful and hostile alien empire. And it's not named, 
but it is clearly implied that this is the Yuzang Vong. Sidious's agents discovered the existence of this empire some years ago, and since then he has been doing his best to prepare the core worlds for the invasion he believes is inevitable. If outbound flight reaches the aliens first, the invasion may come too soon. Thrawn appears to take Sidious seriously and agrees to help Doriana and the Nemoidians with outbound flight. Cardus becomes increasingly worried that Thrawn is holding him hostage and escapes the Chiss fleet in a small ship that is captured by the Vagari. Cardus tells them everything he knows to try and prevent his own death, and the v- Vagari are super interested in learning about the Trade Federation's battle droid technology. They clearly have superior spacefaring capabilities, but they have no droid technology, so the idea of getting a remote army is extremely appealing to them. So the Vagari commander decides to return to the Trade Federation fleet and take all of their technology. When outbound flight finally makes it to the edge of the galaxy, Thrawn, much to Doriana and the Nemoidians' consternation, insists on giving the vessel the opportunity to turn back. He, with Sabaoth and Lorana aboard the ship, sorry, he meets with Sabaoth and Lorana aboard the ship and warns them that a Sith Lord is planning to destroy them, but in his arrogance, Sabaoth disregards Thrawn's warnings and sends him back to his ship. As the two sides prepare for battle, the Vagari arrive. Sensing their hostility, the Jedi aboard outbound flight band together in a telepathic link to confuse the Vagari. But Thrawn takes advantage of their distraction to open fire on both hostile forces. After severe damage has been inflicted on the vessel, Sabaoth gives in entirely to his rage, falls to the dark side, choking Thrawn through the force. Rather than let such a valuable officer be killed, Doriana sends a lethal radiation bomb into the vessel's bridge, killing everyone on board besides Lorana and a handful of dissidents that Sabaoth had locked away in the lower levels. The Vagari are forced to retreat, but Thrawn is deeply saddened by all this death, and that the weapon that destroyed outbound flight was meant to be used against the far more sinister Vagari. Because Chiss military doctrine is harshly against the use of preemptive strikes, Thrawn is, imme- Thrawn is immediately reprimanded by his superiors and recalled to Chiss space. While he's preparing to return home, Thras and Cardas board outbound flight and find Lorana. Knowing that the vessel cannot remain intact in space for much longer, Thras orders Cardas to rejoin Thrawn while he and Lorana attempt to pilot the vessel to a nearby planet. As they near the planet, the vessel begins to roll out of control, meaning that the side of the ship where the majority of the survivors are trapped will crash first. Lorana and Thras, despite their differences, see the choice before them and make it together. They must stay in the ship's command console and steer the ship so that their side crashes instead. They prepare to die together, hoping only that they succeed in saving lives. Thrawn releases Cardus, Kento, and Maris, and reveals to Cardus that he, he has been feeding his suspicions to send him to the Vagari, with the intent of luring them to his destruct, to their destruction. Thrawn wishes them all well, gets a job offer from Doriana for Cardus, and then prepares to face his own punishment for his actions. 
Then Thrawn reveals why he believed Sidious. Because the Chiss have indeed encountered the aliens the Sith Lord is preparing for, and know even better than Sidious how much of a threat they pose. The Chiss call these aliens the Far Outsiders. For some reason. Thrawn then sends Doriana back to his master, confident that they will meet again someday. Kento, Maris, and Cardus depart, each a little richer financially and figuratively for their experience, but also uneasy about their unnerving encounter with the master strategist Thrawn. So, the first time we meet any version of Joris Sabaoth, it's a bare-chested psychotic clone who's obsessed with Luke and Leia, mostly Luke. If you are wondering what the real Joris Sabaoth was like, He's a dick. He's a racist, baby-stealing bully. He steps out of the way for no man. (laughs) And they let you know that a whole lot. He just plows right through people. So how... He's already nuts. Yeah. How is he a Jedi? How... I understand why Chief wants him gone. I understand why Mace and Yoda want him gone. But... But but why? How is he a Jedi? He he says constantly in front of his Padawan, in front of other Jedi, in front of Obi-Wan, things like respect and fear are two sides of the same coin. Yeah. How is this? How is he getting away with this shit? He's already half Sith. Yeah. Yeah. So Lorana is, is shocked at the end when he finally gives in and, and they make it seem... Um, to her, it seems like a flip, like a switch was flipped and he became evil. He went to the dark side instantly. No, he's got like half half his body into the dark side already. He's just waiting to dunk under. I don't know that it's a switch, though. Like all through the book, she's kind of questioning it. And then be like, yeah, but he's my master. And she like, she's like a battered wife. She's like constantly having to make excuses for him. And then she like limps back to him. It's like, oh, oh, she's I'm so sorry. pitiful when she's talking to Obi-Wan. She's like, this is what a good master's like. And then she's mm-hmm. still not trying to talk shit about him. Mm-hmm. I thought he was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was fun because of how crazy he was. Like, I agree with you. There's no reason for the council to put up with his bullshit at all. There's no reason for the council to, like, give him, a, let him go on this important mission. I understand they want him out of the way, but he's taking with him, like, a dozen other Jedi or whatever with and him. thousands of, of innocent people. Right. Like he decides to be the king of. And the best part is Anakin's like, this guy rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that, that rang true. Right. Yeah. That rang true. The Anakin, Anakin thought he was pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, I mean, Anakin's like, you know what? This guy has got some good ideas. Yeah, I mean, if you're a 13 year old, that guy's cool as hell. Like <laughs> he's marching around, not taking any orders. And the first time you meet him, he's like, "Hey, you want to learn how to shoot a laser gun?" And your square master's like, "Oh, we need to hold on." And <laughs> cool older man is like, "Nah, man, it's cool. Just have a seat. It's fine." Well, he it's presumably fine. doesn't have his, his robes all open with his chest out, because that would be unnerving. <laughs> I only imagine him with his robes <laughs> undone and his chest out. 
Like I can't imagine him otherwise. They should have put a picture of him on the cover mm-hmm. just so I didn't because all I the only picture I've ever seen of the dude is <laughs> on the cover of Heir to the Empire with his abs out. So I don't know. I he's mean, a fun he's a fun character though. He is. He pulled a missile out of the air. That's great. Yeah. He's powerful as hell. He's scary. He's fun, mm-hmm. but I just don't know if I find him believable. Because he's out of his goddamn mind from the second you see him. He's out of his mind. He is. He is like... He's a, he's a way grumpier version of Qui-Gon. Yeah. Where he just doesn't care what anybody thinks. He doesn't care what the council says. And then but he's got fi- more, more fascistic tendencies than Qui-Gon mm-hmm. did. Once they're finally on outbound flight, anybody who has any misgivings, he's just like, nah, you're wrong. The end. Yeah, he's a tyrant. He's We're not going to talk tyrant. about it. No, if I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. I, I agree with you that I did feel like, why is the, why did the council put up with him? Or are these just the things he says when he's away from the council? And like, I, I don't know. They all seem to kind of know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because, I mean, even uh, they're like, yeah, Obi-Wan Anakin, y'all need to go keep an eye on this action. <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening here. And, and two, like, okay, even if you're like, we need to get this guy out of here for a little while, this is not the guy you want meeting new races for the first time to sell no. the Republic. <laughs> like, no. He's going to go, he's going to go try to subjugate other, I mean, if he if he already believes the this if already he already uh uh behaves this way, imagine if he meets a whole new race of people that he finds inferior, you know. That need that need help, that need that need their salvation. Hey, he's just gonna steal the force sensitives and get on out of there. That's true. That's true. I, I it did it was interesting. They talked about how most most of the um at least according to this version, that most of the the infants that come to the uh most of the infants that come to the temple come based on tests that their parents give them up for early. Mm-hmm. You know, the parents get their kids tested early for the force um, instead of instead of the Jedi seeker kind of thing. I mean, and I guess the only way you would do that is like if you're at the hospital, do you just get your midichlorians checked? Checked? Yeah, that's kind of what he's saying. Yeah. Right, get your midi chlorine checked. I mean, they. Sh- I mean, that's what they should institute. It should just be at the hospital. But then, how do you get it from other? Pl- but that's only on Coruscant or only on the major yeah. planets. That's what I didn't quite understand. Like, if you're growing up on Tatooine, there's probably not a local testing center. Uh, which explains, yeah, how Anakin gets left behind. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's not very wizard. <laughs> no. no. I don't understand why Lorana went on outbound flight like she was made a jedi knight she could just be like i'm a knight now peace i'm out i don't have to put up with your crap anymore because she's an abused partner she likes yeah, to i don't understand that. her in general i found her kind of boring she <laughs> yeah. doesn't know what else to do i found her like a little dull in that prequel era jedi kind of dull mm-hmm. you know the high republic is just spoiled us yeah well Somebody's- and and I forget that this was 2006. It feels a lot older. This is another one of those books that feels much older than it is. To me, anyway. Yeah, because Outbound Flight was was 
teased in the original trilogy, right? Original Heir to the Empire trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yes. And this is him going back. This is him going back. Yeah, this is after the prequels. Yeah. That he wrote this. Maybe maybe he wasn't allowed to write it until after the prequels. Like until all the all of Lucas's details were in place and then he was able to kind of go back and fill in a little bit, I guess. But he sure got a lot of uh this is this is definitely where where our our first view of the ascendancy really happens. I had forgotten, and I swear I read this book back then, but I must have forgotten tons of it. Because when we got so much about like the families and Arlani and all them, I was like, I had forgotten all this was in this book. Thras too. Yeah. Thras even has a similar fate. Yeah. Um, in it than he does that he does in lesser evil Uh, which is interesting yeah it's after reading this again it's it's very clear that this is lesser evil is timothy zahn's less silly updated version of this book at least of the chist stuff yeah yeah and you're right though that uh, um cardus is just eli vanto oh yeah 100 percent yeah. How old is he supposed to be? I guess I missed that he's young. He's really young. Is he? Yeah. I somehow completely missed that. And his name's George. George. It's yeah. just spelled really funny. <laughs> just spelled with a J-O-R something. J-O-R-J. J-O-R-J, yeah. But he's just George. It's just, it's just it's not that far from Kevin. Yeah, it's really not. So, more weird powers... The, you know, Jedi mind meld and sensory enhancement techniques that allow Obi-Wan to tell a sedative from a poison by sniffing it. The Jedi mind meld was real weird, though. It's just a different version of battle meditation. uh, meditation. Yeah. 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 Yes, that wasn't that wasn't too new, but his his reliance on it was very. His belief that that was what was going to protect them the entire time, you know, was. Yeah, didn't work out very well. No. I was glad to see the World Trade Federation still being incompetent, still just being. And it never occurred to me, is it the same in current canon that the Chiss don't have droids? Yeah. 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 That, it never even really registered with me. But, yeah, I think it's, a, it's not droids. I think they don't have. AI. Yeah. Because they're computers too. It's all a lot of manual entering things and Right. It's all done on tapes. <laughs> all those little all those little punch cards from the original back when we were back in World War Two. Um but yeah, I just I, I guess for some reason I had never noticed that. Um it also set up it was it was also more set up for Vergier. The character of Vergier was mentioned several times. Yeah. Because Vergier in the New Jedi Order is the Jedi who had gone off and then comes back with the Vong. Yeah. Right. And so that's where Vergier is off, is off with the Vong. And Jorah seems obsessed with finding her. I mean, you know, the Vong, the Grisk, whichever. When did New Jedi Order start? Uh, New Jedi Order starts in 2000. Eight? Is that right? When was Vector Prime published? 
my way off on that. Oh Vector. no, Vector Prime is ninety nine. Yeah. So this is after. It yeah. Started. This is this is after New Jedi Order started. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Which makes a lot. I think he's right. Ensign. That makes a lot more sense though, because they talk about Obi Wan and his like failure of finding or worried about finding Vajir. Yeah, they talk about Vajir, and then they worry about the Vong, and then so much of it's about the Vong as that threat that they established. You know, I mean, that was always. This is what we're really established. This is the book, though, that really established that connection, right, between between Thrawn and the Vong and Palpatine, and that this is why he decides to join forces with the bad guys, because just which is the same in in New Canon, but is it's um, he's joining the bad guys to ward off this threat, so. So it's pretty much the same thing. I guess he just wasn't allowed to use the word Vong. Yeah, or I guess they don't yeah, they don't know who they are yet. They just kinda know. And they what do they call him again? The What do they uh, just call the Vong? In in this book, uh oh jeez. It's like the unknown or the something weird. Far outsiders in this book is how they refer to them. But it's always something. It's either the Vagari or it's the Vong or it's the Grisk. Unknown space is busy. So I'm I'm curious, did if Sabaoth is really having visions, like he has a vision that a time will come when the Jedi will be forced to take up arms to defend the Republic. I mean as of this book, that time is like right around the corner. If Sabaoth is really having visions, does he not have at all any visions that say, hey dude, maybe don't be a dick, maybe don't try and steal foreign-sensitive babies from their parents' arms? I don't understand if he's really having visions how how they're so unhelpful. I, I'm just I'm completely flabbergasted by, by this character. Sifos are real, not he doesn't see it all either. He just kind of sees fire. Things are not going well. Yeah, it's true. And so I think, yeah, I think their visions are more just like a certain thing is going to happen and you get obsessed with it. I don't know how Joris thought becoming a space Nazi was going to help, <laughs> but yeah, whatever. You gotta, you gotta try. You gotta try something, I guess. He really is such a tyrant. It's so um, crazy. <laughs> And he goes so quick. That's my favorite part. He didn't even wait till they got out there. Like yeah. they're they get like out of earshot of Coruscant. He's like, "Look, here's what's up." Like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm in charge. <laughs> We're taking babies. Mm-hmm. I'm in charge. We're taking babies. I don't care how old they are. We're taking kids. Uh, dissidents get put in prison. Yeah, you know the whole justice system. That's over. And you can decorate right your now. cafeteria. I'm judge, jury, and executioner. And yeah. poor. You know, Mon Calamari Captain, who just doesn't even have to fight it. He's just like, I, I guess. I don't he know. just throws, <laughs> his, flippers, he throws his flippers up and it's just like, whatever, dude. <laughs> this crazy dude's running around. He's learned all my systems. We're screwed. The one I didn't understand much here was, is it Manin? Yeah. The other kind of main Jedi Master? Yes. 
who seems like a perfectly reasonable person, but also is somehow down with this for a good part of the book. And then later is like, whoops, maybe, uh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. But yeah, it takes him a long time to speak up. Obi-Wan is kind of like, hey, so should we maybe do something about this? And Manning is like, nah, it's good. They're a master. It's fine. Here's my other problem with this. You've got six dreadnoughts. Yes, you are now in the unknown regions. But this stuff happens even before. Why is not Obi-Wan like picking up the phone? And being like, y'all need to get out here. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know we're real busy right now, but this shit's messed up. <laughs> yeah, they're not—they're not super busy. There's no war going on. There's That's no true. Yet. There's no war yet. That's true. This is about five years after *Phantom Menace*, right? Yeah. So there's no war yet. Uh huh. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do. Obi-Wan does seem incredibly patient with a guy who seems to stand for opposite of everything Obi-Wan believes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he does kind of. Yeah. They get like a little verbal tift in the hall and then Obi-Wan like walks away. Yeah. <laughs> like stab I mean, that I, dude. <laughs> I mean, what they keep coming back to, and I think this is something that maybe is a little different in current canon um, in general, but what they keep coming back to is he's a master. Yeah. You know, Obi-Wan's like, well, he's a master. Loran is like, yeah, he's a master. You know, like, yeah. like, like they don't have any, there's no, they, they can't stand up to him because he's a master. You know, he must know better. You know, yeah. Um, they keep, they keep coming back to that idea that like the masters are somehow, masters are a little more casual now, I would say, especially in High Republic. You know, masters, get, masters are a little more, a little more casual, but, Zahn's image of a master is much more autonomous and much more I don't know much more all powerful you know where where these people where they like they just don't want to fuck with him because <laughs> he's because he's a master you know and Lorana keeps saying that well like yeah but but he's a master not her master just a master but I didn't find myself caring about Lorana that much so nah yeah, she's just kind of a point of view character, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, she's there to let us see, look at all this crazy stuff that's going on. I also enjoyed, and you didn't get to see it, but it was implied, Sheev's freak out that Anakin's on board. It's like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah, I'm going to come on out there myself for this one. And he just puts out in his little shuttle and it's like, hey, so uh, I got some important stuff down here for you guys to do. And then they're just gone. Like, they they never pop back up. Just gone. No, they're the just book. out of the story. <laughs> they never meet Thrawn. Nope. They never, they never learn anything about the Chiss. They just, they just go for a little while, observe the craziness, and then leave. I mean, good for them getting out, but. Well, what I wonder too, what is that story when they get back? Because Alvin Flight is just gone. Nobody comes back and tells them, tells the Republic what happened. So does Obi Wan just come back and be like, I don't know, things are getting crazy out there. Joris is doing all nutty stuff and. Training a bunch of kids and 
I left. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I mean, they're supposed to be gone for 10 years, so yeah. it's going to be a minute before anybody even knows. By the, yeah, that's by the, the question. Time, is when, when do people know they're missing? By the time somebody figures out they're overdue, they've got bigger problems. Uh, my guess is that nobody really pays attention. Because yeah, it gets forgotten about. I mean, they kind of explain that Outbound Fight at first was this big deal, but by the time it launches, no one really cares. Like, they, it was supposed to be a big fanfare, and people are kind of like, I think they have one scene where somebody's like, oh, yeah, I think I heard about that. So by the time they hit the 10-year mark, you're, you're in the Empire, right? Yeah. Yeah. You'd be in the Empire. Yeah. So plus, I mean, they do say they're going to be colonizing, mm-hmm. right? They bring enough people to start a colony, so you know they may not be back in ten years. You know mm-hmm. who, who the hell knows? Now, I think that might have been a better story if you had kept them at least some of them alive, and then have them come back later, like and not vaporize them all with a chest yeah. chest super bomb. <laughs> no, some of them are alive at the end. The, yeah, like fifty of them. Yeah. And they're all oh, on I mean, like planet. The Jedi. Like oh. these Jedi come back, these like militaristic dudes that have been doing God knows what. We're in the Sabaoth army. Yeah. None yeah. of them are wearing a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> so much of children without shirts on. <laughs> Just medallions and <laughs> Yeah. Um, it bothers me how everybody at the end of this book is acting like Thrawn was the one who wiped out outbound flight when Doriana pushed the button. That weapon was intended for the Vagari, who are awful. And we didn't talk about yet how they protect their ships with little bubbles on the outside <laughs> of their ship that they put hostages in. They capture people and they put them yep. in little blisters like pimples on the outsides of their ships. So if you mm-hmm. want to shoot their ships, you got to shoot through innocent people. And that's who Thrawn was trying to kill with this nasty, nasty weapon. But instead, Doriana pushes the button that brings the weapons to outbound flight. Not Thrawn. No. Thrawn is not the one who killed all those people, but everybody's like, yeah, no, don't tell Maris that Thrawn murdered thousands and thousands of people on outbound flight. He didn't. No, but he's the boss. Yeah. He's the boss in that situation. So, but now are we, are we to believe that this leads to his exile? Is that one of the kind of canon changes? Is this leads to his exile? It's what I took from it. I don't know. I like kept waiting. Like, is that how it's going to end? Right. They never but really. He, no, but it he ends doesn't with leave the for a long time. Leaves with those idiots on a planet. I mean, he's not heading to the Republic for 10 years after this. Mm-mm. Maybe seven or eight. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder if maybe Zahn had more story of the Chiss running into the bomb first and then sending him out, or I don't know. I feel like there had to be something more because the ending of this book is just so abrupt. Like, Thrawn is not, nobody's certain what's going to happen to Thrawn. And then it switches over to the jerks landing on a planet, not knowing that two people just died to save them. And they're just, uh oh, that guy warned us that we might be crash landing. He's probably a Jedi. I should keep an eye on him because I don't trust Jedi anymore. And that's it. 
that's the end of the story. It, it just feels so abrupt that there had to have been more planned. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a lot of story in there left. I don't think this is where he gets exiled. It doesn't feel like it. Because Arlani, I mean, she's protecting him pretty hard. Right? I mean, not protecting him, but they've set it up for him to be pretty protected. Yeah. Yeah. From the other family. It was cool seeing Arlani. It's, it, it was like not quite a different take on her. She seemed pretty similar. Yeah. Yeah. They seem not as close. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's her. And, you know, her just covering his ass, you know, or her, under, you know, it's the same. It's the same relationship, right? Of her, her understanding that his value. And so therefore she, she trusts him and covers for him. She's covering his ass and he's giving her plausible, plausible deniability. Yeah. yeah. And her allegiance to the expansionary fleet. Like, yeah, that's it. That's that same thing where she's that's what she's going to protect over any of the other just stuff. Um, one thing, and I, maybe I just should have paid closer attention, but I hate that they kept kind of switching back for a while between calling him Doriana and calling him what's it, Stratus? Stratus, Stratus, like, and there's randomly switch. And I was like, we don't need to call him that anymore. Like, we know yeah, who he is. We know who he is. It. Right. Like, you can have people just say it if you need to. People can people can refer to him as Stratus, but if you're talking about him in the third person, we we know who he is. Mm-hmm. I did like the layer of that that seems to be kind of Sheev's cover on how is Darth Sidious he's manipulating things because he's got this weird little intermediary guy who thinks he's the one like manipulating Palpatine and like people see it that Sheev he's always thinking it's weird to me that that's who Cardus gets a job with at the end that Thrawn is like yeah this, this Stratus guy He's got a job for you, setting up, you know, spy networks and shit. You should go do that. You'd be really good at that. Like, you, you're gonna go have you. You're sending this guy off to work for Sheev, but he's on Sheev team now. I mean, kind yeah, of. That's true. Like, you know, Sheev's the one that's gonna fight the wrong for him. And I like the scene where Sheev like talks to Thrawn differently. Like, immediately, almost kind of figures out like this guy knows what's up. Yeah. I'm sorry again. Stratus spends a lot of time with both Sidious and Palpatine. (laughs) He wears a hood (laughs) when he's Sheev. And he he makes his voice more gravelly. A little gravelly. Come on. Yeah. Next thing you're going to tell me, Clark Kent's Superman. That was a little, little much. The nose is very distinct. Yeah. I mean, if I was saying my be like, oh, my shoes are untied. I bend down and like look up <laughs> under the hood real fast. <laughs> like, what's, what's happening under there? Not even that deep of a hood. No. You still ah. get his pro. You still see his profile. I mean, no, especially before he gets um, all disfigured. He doesn't pull it down as much until he gets all melty later. So, anything else about outbound flight before we get into our general Thrawn talk? 
Admiral Thrawn, start, thank you very much. I'm, I'm sorry, Admiral Thrawn talk? Uh, no. All right, so I would like to start by apologizing to Timothy Zahn, because I know we figured it out after rereading Heir to the Empire, but this this seals the deal. This is 100% the same Thrawn, and anybody who says otherwise now needs to read this book. This is the same Thrawn as in the new canon books. So much of the Thrawn Ascendancy trilogy comes out of this book. Yeah. It just is. It just, uh, it, it, it's where he, I mean, I'm sure he had already conceived of it in his head, but this is the first time where he really laid out and he doesn't go into too much detail about the Ascendancy and about how the houses work and all that stuff, but there's enough there to know that he had kind of mapped all that out. Right. I mean, it's kind of cool going back and reading this after reading the others and being so entrenched in how the families work that like, and I can't remember, but like outbound flight reading it the first time probably seemed a little confusing because I mean, they call people the syntax and trial born and you know, all that stuff and married adoptives. They don't really explain it. It's just there. And so reading it after all this, like we know exactly what all that means. And like, what it means when he says they'll take away my married adoption and what a big deal that really is. Yeah, no, he's had, you know, I'm sure he expanded it when he got to write the books, but man, he's had this ascendancy in his head for a long time. Uh-huh. He, he had his backstory and his, his world building was pretty, was very solid. And he finally with the ascendancy trilogy got to really show off his world building, uh-huh. but you're right, Beth, it's the same character. Uh, the major stuff's there. The art, the, you know, mentor kind of teaching somebody through something. Just his general tenor, the way he's written. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's and exactly the same. He's he's still doing that, you know, super brilliant, but super ass complicated plans that he's picking fights he knows he can win. He's 100% going against what he knows he's allowed to do, but knows that he's going to win. So he'll get away with it. It's, yeah. It's the exact same guy. Well, I thought that was a good thing in this book, too. He's in control all the time till the first time he really goes against a Jedi. Yeah. And he picks him up and there's nothing he can do. Which, you know, there's there's questions with the new canon book. And I would imagine that you wrote this one, like, why would Thrawn work for the Empire? I mean, the Jedi made themselves a major threat to him. Yeah. Like, all my planning can't stop this dude in the ship one over they can choke me choke to me death. to death yeah yeah, yeah i thought that was a really powerful moment where you're right where he 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 has no control mm-hmm. and that's whatsoever. something he doesn't ever have yeah yeah that he you know he's absolutely absolutely boned in that moment and he also learns i think in that moment to respect the power mm-hmm. whatever whatever power that this is the force whatever this power is that that these Jedi use, you know, it's dangerous. Well, and he also, he didn't want to kill all those people. He, he wasn't happy about the idea of killing the Vagari. He was even unhappier when he killed all the innocent people. And that's, again, that's the same Thrawn. That's. It's book's got quite a body count. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's not Alderaan level body count, but it's still pretty big body count. No, and then and then it's it's really kind of sweet at the end when he doesn't want um, Maris 
to find out about what happened to outbound flight because she's she's an idealist and he doesn't right. want her to find out that you know the good that she saw in him wasn't really there i mean and we've talked about this before the the the, the main difference between this thrawn and heir to the empire thrawn is heir to the empire thrawn's in charge of an empire yeah so we haven't canon thrawn hasn't done that yet we'll we'll see we'll see what happens in a couple of years in the mo- at the movies but on the difference too is just like you know, Air of the Empire is the same as Rebels, where in Outbound Flight, he is the protagonist, and then those, he's the antagonist, and so it kind of colors how he's written and how he's seen and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it'll be interesting what Filoni does. Like, are we going to see the kinder, gentler Thrawn, or is it just going to be evil Thrawn from Rebels? Well, I don't know that he's ever kind and gentle, but he has honor. Well, yeah, you know what I mean. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, I know what you mean. But he's he's always an honorable being. It's just that it depends on what what point of view you're coming at him from. Obviously, he's the bad guy to the rebels, but to, to half the people in this book, he's a really good guy. So I am interested, you know... Zahn obviously has talked a lot that he has written all his new books and that these books could still be canon. I mean, some of it can, but some of this can't be, right? I don't think so. I I think he's rewritten the first contact with the Republic. Yeah. Well, Sheev, we got rewritten like when he meets Sidious, Palpatine, or whatever. Right. Like, he's met him at this point versus being taken in. Right. Right, yeah. In, in, in New Canon, he was, they find him on that planet. Mm-hmm. Right, and he brings him in, and that's when he meets Palpatine for the first time, and there's no recognition there. So yeah. So that's that stuff doesn't quite work. I, I'd say this book is probably, it, it of of his Zon, of his Thrawn stuff, it's the one that is the closest to working in New Canon. But of his legend stuff, but I still don't think it entirely fits in. I think just the 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 galactic events just don't line up. Well, I don't exactly. think it needs to though, because so much, so much of this has been brought over into the new canon Thrawn books that yeah, I don't, I don't see the need for it to be brought in. Because let's be fair, outbound flight's kind of the least interesting part. Yeah. Now. I mean, the more interesting part is Thrawn and the the chess. I mean, I still, you know, I do really hope that Ray Stevenson is playing some sort of version of Kaboth. Like, and I don't even know that you need to make him a clone. I don't know. I just, I think it would be really cool to just kind of have him be this Jedi that went out there and came back and is not a Jedi anymore. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where he came from. Yeah. Come on, there's got to be only so many Jedi unaccounted for. <laughs> like, we're getting another one. And they call it helium crystals in this book. We aren't to Kyber yet. <laughs> no, Ky- Kyber wasn't till canon. Yeah. yeah. We're still on helium. Which, you could explain that away. You know, she could have just got her crystal on helium. That's just- yeah, I think that's right. I don't think there's a need for it to fit in. I think that most of the good stuff we've has been ported over. You know, and, and, but, but it does reading it, it did strike me 
just like with you guys, how true it was to the character. And then fast forward almost 20 years later and he's writing a hint when he's writing him again. And it's, you know, similar, you know, it's, it's pretty dead on. Like it's a character he knows really well. And, and, uh, has uh has got the voice down and and didn't waver when it was time to time to re kind of rewrite him a little bit you know he's still stuck with it oh so i'll be I, i'm curious to, i would be curious to know what he thinks of the depiction on rebels i know he really can't say but yeah whether what he thinks about the depiction on rebels and i'm really curious to see what's going to happen seeing him live action I mean, and that's why this is a good time to talk about him, right? Is because we're about to see him in live action for the first time. So, Ryan, what are we reading next time? Uh, so, next time we're going to read a book that has ended up kind of being a surprise, I think. Um, we're going to read Rise of the Red Blade by Delia S. Dull. Delia S. Why am I blanking? Dawson. 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 Sorry. By Delia S. Dawson, which, wow, I did not have really, like, I just thought I would look, a new Star Wars book. And it's real good. I couldn't put it down. I've finished it once already. I'm halfway through my second reading. It's good. This cat is awesome. I'm looking forward to starting it. I'll probably start it after we get off this, but I haven't started yet. But you guys have got me psyched for it. Well, until then, thank you guys for joining us tonight, and we will talk to you all again very soon.